Well, good morning once again. Pastor Gus Brown coming to you from Akron Alliance Fellowship. Hoping that you've had a wonderful week, an exciting week in the Lord. We never stop growing in Christ. He's the one who continues to want us to grow in him and to learn in him. And I pray that as we go through these lessons, these times, that we would be able to learn and to grow. And I'm praying that you can add something to your biblical knowledge that we discuss. That it just not be the humdum part of Bible teaching, but we explore this Bible, we get into this Bible, and we're seeking to understand this Word of God. Only when you get into the Word of God will your thoughts and minds be changed. It's important to get into His Word. Now, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say, I'm in His Word every day. But most of the time I am. And there are days that I go through my, what I call my wilderness experience, uh, my trouble days. And, and, uh, it's not that I'm not talking with the Lord. Oh, we're talking, but I haven't been in His Word. And, uh, I go through those days at times. And that's just being honest with you to know that we need to get back to it. And, and I find myself always coming back to God's word. And God gives that refreshing. Uh, he somehow renews. He, he does something amazing and exciting and allows me to start digging again. And he gives me that little break at times, but then there's that time we get back in it again. And I hope that you'll never get out of the Lord's word and you're out of it month after month after month, week after week after week. You may miss a day or two, but then get right back where you were in your daily reading and so forth or in your daily devotions. I use the daily bread a lot and I'm thankful for it. Because a lot of times it just really helps me in that day, at some point of my day, I can reflect back and, hey, the Daily Bread said something about this. The scripture said something about this. Uh, so I want to encourage you, get into the God's word. If you've never been there, you're going to most likely say, I don't understand it. So it's an old book. I want to say to you, it's not an old book. It's a new book. It will bring you up to date on what's going on in your life and in this world. It is not just written for one period of time. This is a lifelong book for every generation. And even for those generations that are yet to come, if God tarries. And God has something to say to us to learn from. And I hope today we will be able to learn from it. So let's start off with prayer. And uh, we're going to be talking about the breath of life that God gives. So let's just open up with prayer and thank him for his word. Thank him for you and what you're doing and what he's doing in your life. Father, we do thank you and praise you for all those who will hear this message. That somehow, Lord... 
your word will fall upon their ears and their hearts, and that, Lord, their minds would be transformed, and that they might see the true glory of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And we pray, Father, for all those, Lord, who are troubled in spirit, those who are sick, those who are in their desert land, those who are depressed, that, Lord, you will work mightily in their life. You are the God who delivers us. You're the God who heals us. You're the God who sets us free. And, Lord, I pray that you would do the work that only a living God is capable of doing in each and every one of our lives. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for allowing him to come and to be the one who would save all humanity. For all those who will come unto him, he gives them freely the gift of eternal life. Help us, Lord, to live it in a manner that is worthy of his calling and that will glorify him. Thank you. Be with us as we go through this study. Help us to see clearly this thing that you call the breath of life. May your word speak to each one of us, and we'll give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. The topic again is that breath of life. We should live as though death is just a breath away, because in reality it is. It is just a breath away. We look at some sort of sickness, such as a heart attack, a stroke, cancer, diabetes, COVID now. We look at these different things as something that takes us away from here, that uh, separates us from life. Those things are real, yes. I don't want to belittle those things. And if somebody says lost someone, through one of those things, I don't mean to make light of it, but that's not what truly caused death to take place. I know it's on that death certificate sometime, a heart attack, a stroke, or a COVID, or this or that, but man has a way in that which he cannot explain to use something else. But the scriptures, the word of God, explains it for us. And that's something that a few weeks back during the Sunday school lesson, Melvin spoke of the breath of life in one of his passages. And I got stuck on that word, breath of life. And I started studying on it and reading about it and just asking, okay, Lord, what is this breath of life? And uh, it is that which really is exactly what his title says, a breath of life. You cannot live without breathing or taking that first breath of life. And oftentimes we put down death as caused by this, this, or that. And the reality is, when that last breath is taken, don't matter if you've had a heart attack, a stroke, cancer, diabetes, COVID, is when that last breath is taken, 
that one is declared to be deceased or dead. And we need to realize that it is. Death is only a breath away. And that's what really separates us from life. Is this thing called the breath of life when it is no longer allowed to us or are we permitted to breathe it in? And we do exactly that. We breathe it in, this breath of life. I'm going to share this with you because I think it is to be true that in that breath of life, it really does give God the last word that he's over life. It is his breath of life that started life, and it is his breath of life in a sense that will end life. That when we can no longer breathe in this breath that God has given, then we die. And yes, we can die with the cancer, the stroke, and we can live for some time with cancer or we can live after having a stroke or having a heart attack. We can live after COVID and so forth. As long as we can continue to breathe, we are living. And we need to recognize any sickness is not the real thing that takes us away from this life. But it is that breath of life that is given to us that is no longer in a sense available to us and God controls that. Science has not been able to tell us how breath imparts life to every organ in our bodies. Nor revelations made it known but no revelations have made it known how this intake of air, oxygen, or breathing really affects every part of our bodies. We see the effects of it when we're breathing. We see life, the products of life, and those things that take place in our life. Because we're able to breathe. And we never think about it in the aspect that God is the one who is in control of us breathing or not breathing. Why don't you turn with me to Job chapter 1, 20 through 21. Now, Job is going to mention something to us here. But he doesn't tell us exactly what it is. And then we're going to go somewhere else and hopefully we can see this thing that God controls from the very beginning of life to the end of life. That in one sense really declares that God is our life and he's over our life. 
while the baby's in the mother's womb, the mother somewhat provides everything that the baby has need of. The, the food, the nurture, the blood, the, uh, the oxygen, everything there is provided by the mother. But when that baby comes out of that womb, that baby has to start breathing on its own. A lot of times you see in the movies where the doctor kind of slaps the baby on the bottom or towards the back and the baby bursts out in a cry or a yell that is breathing. That first breath of life that God grants or God gives. And then at the end of life, it is God who does not allow that breath to be taken. And life ends. Go with me to Job chapter 1, verses 20 and 21. And we pick up here, after Job have heard about what has taken place with his children. And the attacks that have taken place. And the things that he have lost. And Job was going through a trial time in his life. But I want you to hear what Job is going to say. So in chapter 1 and verse 20 it says, At this Job got up and tore his robe, shaved his head, then he fell on the ground and worshipped. He fell on the ground speaking to God. Because it comes to a place in man's life that man can be hurting and, and man can have lost. Man is grieving. And the only one he has to really to turn to is God. Is God. Asking that God would intervene, God would comfort, God would work something that only a living God is able to perform. And that does take place in our life. That we come asking God to heal. Asking God to work. And he's the one that has that final answer, not the doctor. And not the person themselves, but God. And Job sums it up this way. Job simply says, in verse 21, And said, Naked I came from my mother's womb. That's the truth. Or truthism, as some would want to say it. Nobody came out of the mother's womb clothed, sheltered. They came into this world with nothing. With nothing. And we all come into that world in that way, with nothing. And he goes on and he says, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. You will leave here taking nothing from this world. Just like you brought nothing into this world, 
we're all going to leave here taking nothing from this world. And he says, the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. Now, I want you to really hang on to that just for a moment. Because he tells us, the Lord gave. Now, the question that has to be asked is this. What did the Lord give? Well, we all conclude from that is that God gave life. God gave life. And the question has to be, how did God do that? How did God grant us life? And that's part of what we're going to talk about. How God granted us life. It is a mystery. It is something we really don't know. But once that baby comes forth from the mother's womb, the mother can do nothing else at that point in reality for that child. But God is the one who allows that breath of life to be taken for the first time. For that child to breathe on its own. And breathe the air that God has provided. And to partake in a sense that breath of life that God has allowed. Knowing one day they would take their last breath. Everyone that is born will come to that place who have taken their first breath. They will also take their last breath. And he says, the Lord gave, he gave something to us, the breath of life. And the Lord has taken away, where he's taken away, it's the breath of life. He has done that. Now, let's see if we can start that some with scripture. And I believe we can. Can you go to Genesis 2-7 with me? It's a subject that we don't often talk about because one of the things we don't talk about in the Christian life too often is death. We talk about it when it happens. We uh, perform the funerals and we talk about someone's death. But we need to understand this is another way that God, in a sense, proves who he is. No one else can give you that breath of life, and no one can really take the breath of life away from you. It is God that gives it, and God who takes it, or withholds it, that brings about death. So, in 2.7... Genesis, he says, the Lord God formed the man. Now, I want you to just stop there for a moment. God formed us. That this outer shell is something that has been formed by God. Even when we're in our mother's womb, he kind of like knits this shell that is going to one day come forth from the mother's womb. 
And he says, the Lord formed the man. From what? From the dust of the ground. And he says, from dust we shall return. That one day we will return to the ground from which we came. And he says again, he formed him. And he formed him from the dust of the ground. But he didn't say he was living after he was done forming, in a sense. He's formed, so this shell is here. It's laying on the ground, in a sense. It's been made from the ground. So the shell is complete, but there's no life in it. And then you hear from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils and breathed into his nostril. What did he breathe then? It says he breathed the breath of life. That from God's breath comes this thing that is called the breath of life. And he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. The shell is formed. The body is formed. But it had no life in it. Until God himself breathed into that life. And once God breathed into that life. Then the man himself began to breathe. As the God who started him, in a sense, of breathing, when he breathed into him the breath of life. And has provided this thing called what we call air for us to breathe and to live. And he says, only after God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Did the man become a living being? He's formed, but not living. He's formed, and there's a shell, but not living. But after God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, man began to live and to breathe. Now, I know that's a lot to take on, but that's what scripture tells us, that God is the one who breathed this breath of life. Now, go over to Genesis six seventeen with me, and it's important to catch this because this is something now that we all, in a sense, have common, everything that God basically created breathes even the plant world breathes and has to have this air and so forth the animal world has to breathe we all have to breathe and he says in that verse 17 and he's talking some about after the flood and And, and I'm sorry, before the flood, all that was going to die. But he also 
saved all those with that breath of life. But here in 6, it's before the flood, and he's explaining who's going to go into this ark and who's not, in a sense. So in that verse 17, he comes back. Let me see if I can get it straight here. Uh, 617. Boy. 18. I got to get these. Boy. Oh, man. Everything on earth will perish. Now, I am going to bring floodwaters, 17. I am going to bring floodwaters on the earth to destroy all life under the heavens. Every creature. Now, catch what he's going to say here now. Every creature that has the breath of life in it. Every creature I'm going to destroy on earth. Every creature that has the breath of life in it. Only ones that were saved, even among the creatures, the animal world, everything else, is what Noah himself then took upon the ark. And only those who had that breath of life that Noah took upon were able to continue to live. But everyone else or everything else, I'm going to bring floodwaters on the earth to destroy all life under the heavens. Every creature that has the breath of life. Every creature that has what? The breath of life in it. And what I'm trying to show you is that God is the one who gave that breath of life. And God is the one who withholds it or takes it, that breath of life. And he is the one who will continue to do that. And sometimes we miss that, that God's in control of this in my next breath. And we need to realize it. And go back again to Genesis 2, 5 and 8. Genesis chapter 2, I believe, verses 5 through 8. He says again, boy, let me get there. And no shrubs on the fields had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant of the field had yet sprung up. For the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no man to work the ground. But streams came upon the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east of Eden. And there he put the man he had formed or he had given life to. He placed that man in a certain position, in a certain place. Now, 
what we also need to look at is Genesis chapter 25, 17. <coughs> Mouth is getting dry and I should have brought me some water in here with me. In 25 and verse 17, get my eyes adjusted, he said, Altogether, Ishmael lived a hundred and thirty-seven years. He breathed his last and died. He breathed what? His last and died. And he was gathered to his people. But he breathed his last and he died. And God is the one who is over this, that one would breathe their last, and then they die. And oftentimes, we miss it. And the same happened to Abraham. He breathed his last, and he died. And we also find the same thing happen. Ishmael. He breathed his last, and he died. Go to... Genesis 49. Again, I'm just trying to stress this area that we do have a point at which we will breathe our last breath. And when that takes place, we will die. Now, in Genesis 49 and verse 33 is speaking of Jacob. But again, once you catch the word, the breath. He says, when Jacob had finished giving instructions to his sons, he drew his feet up into the bed. Now catch this. And breathed his last and was gathered to his people. Yes, he was sick and he was living with a sickness. But each one of these individuals breathed their last breath of life. They were given a breath of life when they were born. But at some point, they could breathe no more. And God is the one who controls that. It's not man. God does. Man can put you on a ventilator, but you need to breathe. It helps you to breathe. But even while on a ventilator, one can die because they do not any longer partake of the breath of life. Now, go with me to Ecclesiastics because there's this thing that we all have in common. Whether you're intelligent, whether you're the smartest person or the foolish person, or whether you're rich or poor, we all have this thing in common. And I want you to follow with me on it, because it's going to speak again about this breath of life, in a sense. And starting in verse 2 of Ecclesiastic 9, he says, all share a common death, 
the righteous and the wicked, the good and the bad, the clean and the unclean, those who offer sacrifice and those who do not, those who are religious, those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, those who live a good life, those who are wicked and don't believe, those who are bad and won't follow any of God's instructions, we all have this one thing in common. And that's why he says, all share a common destiny. The righteous and the wicked share a common destiny. The good and the bad, they share a common destiny. The clean and the unclean, those who offer sacrifice, there's a religious group, and those who do not. As it is with the good man, so with the sinner. The same thing happens to the good man, and once in that's going to happen to the sinner. What happens to the sinner also happens to the good man. This in this common thing that we all will experience. As it is with the good man, so with the sinner. As it is with those who take oaths, so with those who are afraid to take them. This is the evil in everything that happens under the sun. The same destiny overtakes all. The hearts of men, moreover, are full of evil, and there is madness in their hearts while they live, and afterwards they join the dead. Anyone who is among the living has hope. Even a live dog is better off than a dead lion. We all have this one fate that we're going to have to recognize. And it's simply this. We're all on this path leading us to death. We're all going to die. The scripture tells us that in Hebrews chapter 9, 27, it is appointed unto every man once to die and then the judgment. We cannot escape that. Death is part of living. We don't want to accept that sometimes, but it is. Death is part of living. And that's the thing that we all have in common here, is that we're going to die. No matter if you are a believer in Christ or if you're one who does not believe in Christ, we're both going to die. The issue is, where do we go afterwards? What happens afterwards? And we're going to talk about that, too, a little bit later on in another message. But we're all going to die. But there's a difference between the Christian dying and the unbeliever dying in their final destination. And we both travel that road through what is called death. That which is called death. Now, go back just a couple of chapters into Ecclesiastes 3.19. Again, look at what he says about this word breath. He says, 3.19, man's fate is like that of the animals. So, man may think he's way up here, but God brings us right down here with the animals. 
Man's fate is the same. What happens to animals? They die. What happens to man? He dies. Everything that breathes eventually dies. And he says, man's fate is like that of the animals. The same fate awaits them both. As one dies, so dies the other. As one dies, so dies the other. And he goes on. All have the same, catch this, breath. All have the same breath. Man has no advantage over the animals. Man has no, he has to breathe. The animals have to breathe. Plant life has to breathe. And yet, somehow God made man in a very special way. And, and scripture tells us that God breathed into man's nostrils the breath of life. And only then did he become a living soul or a living being. And life begins there with man as God breathed. But all life breathes in some manner, in some way. And he tells us that. All have the same breath. Who gives that breath? God. God giveth. Who takes that breath? God. And when that breath stops, when you can no longer breathe, life is no longer present. Go to Psalms 39.5 with me. Psalms 39.5. And I want you to catch what the psalmist is going to say here. Because it ties in with it. And oftentimes, again, we don't think about this. Young people don't think about it. That you're only a breath away. And we need to understand that you may not be able to take the next breath. And a lot of people are living life where well, I'm going to get it together. I'm going to get it together. You can never get your own life together. And you never know when your last breath is going to be. Again, the scripture tells us, man knows this about himself. He's going to die. And every time you go to a funeral, you need to see that as a testimony of God. God giveth, the Lord taketh. And for those who say there is no God, that funeral ought to say there is a God. And we need to recognize that. <clears throat> so in 39.5 he says, You have made my days a mere hand breath a mere hand breath the span of my years is as nothing before you each man's life catch what he says here now each man's life is but a breath each man's life is but a breath when you can no longer take that next breath then life has ended 
life has ended. When you can no longer take that next breath, life has ended. And no one can give you that breath of life but God himself. Now, we need to understand that all this life, that it really does come from the Lord. And God is the one who gives us the ability to inhale, exhale, to breathe. But he is the one who gives it to us. He's the one who takes it. It's not the sickness that takes it. Because God has already said it's appointed until every man wants to die. And that's going to take place when he does not allow that next breath to take place. And he says each man's life is but a breath. He sums up life in, in that fashion that life itself is dependent upon taking the next breath. Taking the next breath. That's all man really is. A breath. He's a breath away from death. If he does not take that next breath, then life no longer exists. Um, again, I want to go to this one area where Ecclesiastes 9.5 because man should know that God is the one who will govern this thing called life. It's not man, it's not the doctors, not sicknesses, it's not all these other things sometimes we want to give credence to and, and, and things that we recognize, but it is God. So in Ecclesiastes 9, verse 5, listen to what he says. For the living know, the living know, but what is it that we should know that sometime we don't give much credence to? I remember I used to be a chaplain in the hospitals and worked in as a chaplain for over 10 years at Akron General Hospital. And the whole thing to see death and every person who died stopped breathing. And when there was no more breath, only then were you declared to be dead. You were not declared to be dead because you were sick with cancer or you were sick with diabetes or you had had a heart attack or you had stroke. For we have seen many people survive the cancer, the heart attack, the strokes, diabetes, and many other diseases. But when the person stops breathing, life has ended. Life has ended. And he says, for the living know, know what? That they will die. The living knows that. My question is this. If you know that you're going to die, 
What should you be doing to prepare for that? You're going to die one day. Have you prepared to meet your creator? And somebody might be saying, there is no such thing. Life is just life. And after man dies, there's nothing else. I just want to share with you, there's so much more. Another two weeks, we'll be talking about that. What can we expect at death? But I want to share with you, you know you're going to die. What you don't know is where you might be going. You don't know really what will be your future beyond death or if there is a future. Well, in this word of God, it tells us that there's a place called heaven and there's a place called hell and there's no other place. Just like we're destined to die. We're destined to either be in heaven or to be in hell. Not somewhere else. But he says, you know that you're going to die. And with that knowledge and with that information, that you just know that you're going to die. Have you ever asked yourself, if you die, Will you live again? Job said that you will. Job answered that question. Will man live again? And the answer is yes. You're going to live again. The question is, where? Where? Now, turn to Jeremiah 38. We'll get ready to close. Jeremiah 38. And I want you to catch this. <clears throat> Listen to what Jeremiah is going to say. But King Zedekiah swore this oath secretly to Jeremiah. As surely as the Lord lives. Hear this now who has given us breath, who has given us what? Breath. As the Lord lives, who has given us breath, I will neither kill you nor hand you over to those who are seeking your life. As surely as God lives, the one who gives us breath, once you hear that statement, and here's a king declaring. It is not the king with all his power that gives life or gives breath. He says the Lord does. That God does. The Lord Jesus Christ gives us breath. The Lord lives who has given us breath. And whenever you talk about breath, 
you're talking about life. And when there's no more breath or breathing, there's no more life. Why die before your time? Why be so against God that you live in such wicked ways that you cause yourself to die before time? And we're seeing this. God has appointed a time of death for every one of us. And one of the questions that man has to figure out is this. Can we rush that? And in Ecclesiastes 7.17, he says, Why die before your time? Boy, that's something powerful to look at. Why die before your time? Why die before the time that God himself, in a sense, have said, you would die. And we'll close with Ecclesiastes here. 7.17 Because it is one of those things that puzzle us. He says in 17, Ecclesiastes 7, Do not be over wicked. Do not be over wicked or overly wicked. And do not be a fool. Now listen to what he says. Why die before your time? Is he answering that question? God has set a time for us to die. And God is sovereign. God never meant for us to live here forever. To stay here forever. God has pointed a time for every person to die. But God also knows when every person will die. And the question is, is it at the appointed time? Or has the person died before their time? Well, that's something to ponder. That's something to think about. Can you die before your time? Can you somehow cause something to happen that, again, is not God's will? Only thing I can say is this. Look at man. Man in his wickedness and his sinfulness is constantly breaking God's will. And beyond me, in this sovereign God that I know, that he allows it. He allows his word to be broken. He allows man to live out this wickedness, this evilness, to take life, to do the foolish things that he does. His immoral life, his drug life, his alcohol life. And somebody might always say, well, there's a living God. Why don't he just stop all of this? God has made man a free agent. Man is free to do within limits. 
and God allows it. So the question is, can man rush his time or cause his time to be shortened? Or will he live out to the expected days in which God himself has given to us? I leave you there for you to also study it out. Search it out for yourself. We will continue with it a little further next week. Because God has given us a promise of a certain time. And God knows the number of days that he's granted to each one of us. And the thing is, can we shorten it? You're not going to die of some disease, even though that may be on the death certificate. You're not going to die of a heart attack. You're not going to die of of cancer. All of that has been recorded on our death certificates. And they always have to put down some reason for death. But understand this. From a biblical perspective, life ends when you are no longer granted the privilege of breathing or breathing in that breath of life that God has granted. The Lord has given and the Lord has taken away his breath of life. And there's no more life in this dimension. But there is something far, far better awaiting those who know Christ. Well, we're going to end and we want to thank God for his word. And I pray that somehow it causes you to really look at, are you ready? Have you prepared for this thing called death? You will not be late for it. It's going to happen to every one of us. But have you applied the word of God to your life that you can truly say, I will be absent from this body, but I will be present with the Lord. Amen. Father, we want to thank you and praise you for your loving kindness. Thank you for your word. That as we continue to dig into your word, Lord, you give us answers. And you minister to us. And I thank you, Lord. And I pray tonight for my brother Glenn, that you will extend unto him that breath of life. As he suffers with this heart attack and and cancer, would you give him that ability to take that next breath? Would you... Grant him the breath of life. And Lord, we thank you for raising him up even now. Thank you for what you're going to do in his life yet. And Father, I pray for his family, his wife, his brothers, his sisters, his sons and daughters, his sons. I pray for those, oh God who are close to him, that you be the God of all comfort. Minister to us, Lord. And again, we thank you, Lord, 
for your word. That, Lord, you're the one who giveth life through the breath of life. And you're the one who taketh life when you withhold that breath of life. Help us to understand that and prepare. And we'll give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. May God keep you. Enjoy this life that God has given unto you. And as long as you have breath, praise the Lord. Amen. See you next week. God bless.